Hello, my name is Sophie Schnapp and I am sat here at the International Music Summit in Ibiza hosting a radio and podcast production coming out of the summit. We're doing this in collaboration with the wonderful... Joe Yule. Hello from the Reset Rebel and uh, yeah, we're sitting here as the sun is finally shining down on us here in the Eco Hub. Uh, surrounded by palm trees and interesting conversations that have been focusing on all sorts of wonderful narratives that Abitha kind of hasn't really experienced before, specifically at this event. So it's been a real pleasure to, to have some of those conversations with Sophie for Earth Percent versus the Reset Rebel. Yes, yeah, so this episode we're really excited to bring to you because it comes right from the heart of what Ibiza is all about, and that is music. And so what we're asking people in the music industry this time around is how music can create change. We've been having some really, really in-depth and interesting conversations with people from all realms of music, not only musicians who have obviously been able to inspire us to extreme levels, and we hope they inspire you too, um, but also people that are from the clubs, that are organizing the clubs, people that are organizing this festival, and people that are really in the heart of the music biz. And even people from the UN, which was like, you know, unbelievable to have actually uh, bagged such an amazing uh, guest as well to kind of join that conversation. Um, I didn't expect to see anybody from the UN speaking at the IMS. So to, for me, you know, this feels like a really, really special conversation to be having as well for this episode. Right. And they have this platform. They have this new um, product uh, program called Flip the Script. And actually, the fact that the UN are here and seeing the importance of music and culture is flipping the script. And so... Flipping amazing. Flipping amazing. And with you on just being very excited about that. So we really hope you enjoy this show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And let us know what you think of it. Enjoy. I'm Ben Turner, curator, founder of IMS, the International Music Summit in Ibiza. And we are part of an industry that creates huge impact. You know, DJs zigzagging across the world on jets, private jets. Um, you know, live bands tend to tour in a much more cohesive, structured, you know, um, strategic manner, whereas DJs don't. They go for the biggest money everywhere and they grab it. And as a, as a general rule, not everybody. And so I think everybody has uh, a big responsibility to play. So IMS this year, obviously Brian Eno's talking, we've got an eco-lounge, we've we created an eco-tax for everyone who has to pay an eco-tax on top of their delegates badge, which will contribute. People who come to the island via boat also get a, almost a 50% discount on attending. You know, some of these are small things, but they're all, they all amass to awareness and to a mindset shift. I think we're probably at 30% of what we should be doing, maybe even less, but we're at least on the pathway to what we need to do. From our own perspective, we just have to get back on our own feet, get this event back in people's minds, re-establish it in a new venue, and 
that's why we're changing everything so much and, and allowing these issues to have more space and more footprint around the experience so um, so I think I think we're we're making a good stand but no way near enough and that's probably true of everybody in our space is there a tax on private jets uh, there isn't a tax on private jets. I mean, genuinely, I don't think that many people come to IMS on private jets. I might be, be but naive saying that. It, there is a whole culture around this industry that does use jets consistently, um, and it is a problem, and people don't think about, do I really need to take that flight? Do I really need to take that meeting in New York for one lunch? You know, that's the world we all used to live, you know, and we all learned that we can actually do business on Zoom. Thousands of new businesses have launched during COVID on Zoom. You know, teams have been built on Zoom. Um, we have proven that we don't need to travel as much as we did. We have a problem with our industry in that the demand and the desire and the hunger and, and understandably, people want to go and see their fans and meet their fans. So, you know, travel is never going to not be a key factor in the success of this music and the continued success of it. But I think we can all, you know, take a step back and go you know do i need to go to japan for one weekend just because that offers there now i could do that next year when i'm going to tour asia you know so it's a big mindset mindset shift that needs to happen but that is you know the very nature of dj life is as you just pointed out monetizing that opportunity and that limited shelf life of um you know being famous popular whatever for for a maybe not you know the kind of longevity and cycle of someone like Danny Tanaglia for example who's coming here hopefully not on a private jet this weekend um but you know how do you how do you change that storyline of you know people whizzing here there and everywhere as you said to money grab over the course of one weekend like New Year's Eve for example there's a lot of private jets in the air taking DJs around the world to you know jump into different time zones to maximize their their cash I think it's I think it's very it's very hard to make um, a massive shift like that. Um, I think it will take time, but we don't have time. I actually I actually think a it's people like IMS and ADE and and certain artists taking leadership positions to make statements. You know, there are people I know who don't fly on private jets, but they don't really talk about it, and they should do. Um, I think, but I also think the fans don't want to see it. You know, when I see artists posting private jets on Instagram, I mean. Uh, shame on those people for celebrating that yeah great you want to go on a private jet you don't need to shout about it and you certainly should be offsetting that in some way um so i think that 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 side of the culture i mean look success you know billionaires millionaires pop artists you get to a level politicians they all they're all flying on private planes um so it's very hard to reverse that and what you're saying about the lifespan i mean i do think djing has a longer lifespan than most professions that are kind of in in the limelight like footballers have 20 years djs can have a 50 60 year career you know and that's being proven right now um so i think there is a long there is a long-term play in this industry this dance music is only 50 years old really it's still in its infancy but we're now starting to see the lifespan of people's lives and people are passing away we're seeing djs who've been djing for 40 50 years you know now's really the time where so much of the um, infrastructure that needs to be built around a culture need to be put in place, which is why we set up AFEM, the Association for Electronic Music. It's designed to create infrastructure around an industry that was just too busy making money to care about what happened to to itself, you know. And we've tried to really change that mindset with IMS and with AFEM. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's no quick fix. But what I was saying is, I, I, I genuinely don't think the fans want to see it. I think. The new generation of, of 
kids on dance floors and at festivals are much more conscious than we ever were. They care about this stuff, and, that, and I don't think they want to see their heroes, you know, living like that to the point where I don't think they are their heroes. They've got their own fans now of people who are kind of from, from a similar mindset as them, and you know, some of the bigger names should should take stock of that. You know, you've been coming here for many, many decades. What's the biggest kind of climate shift that you've seen during that period? Climate shift on the island. Very little. Beach cleans is obviously something that is amazing to see. Who would have ever thought that would happen? But, you know, um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't see enough. I mean, I don't live here, so I may be missing lots of great things that are going on. And hopefully during the pandemic, people had time to come up with, with those things. I mean, there are certainly organisations working hard to make changes here. Um, but, you know, I, Ibiza, you know, it is an island. It's in a very challenging position. It needs tourism. It lives or dies by tourism. That was proven during the pandemic. We all knew that. You know, whether the government ever wanted to admit that Ibiza needed club tourism, now I think it knows that it does, you know. Um, so, but uh, certainly on a negative, the private jets is everything. Like, you know, that is what we've all seen, the shift in our time. I didn't even know there was a private jet airport 15 years ago or 20 years ago. And now, you know, it's, it's now you can't even land on, on many occasions. So it's it's a huge shift as big money has got into our industry as big money has followed our music you know our music is now the most favorite probably the most favored music of you know the wealthy crowd they all want to be around dj culture for whatever reason and abitha is obviously the home of that so you know unfortunately we're attracting it actually used to be the yachts coming in now it's the jets you know um so we you know there's there's a huge challenge there huge challenge What's the biggest change, you personally, if you could imagine this idyllic kind of picture-paradise version of Ibiza, what would it look like? My God. <laughs> well, I think we would all maybe come by boat. That would be quite nice. And you think about the original people who came to this island and discovered Ibiza, you know, the hippies who came on boats. You know, that, that is really... You know, that's, that's the old Ibiza. That's the spirit, the indigenous spirit of the island that you can still find in certain quarters and certain places um but obviously that's that's a uh, you know an unrealistic reality um, is it though uh, well i think so i think so I, I don't think you can stop the plane culture i don't we can encourage more people to take boats um but i don't think that's a reality to for the tourism business here it's just not going to not going to be it doesn't move in it doesn't move in and out quick enough the turnover is not quick enough you know um, I think the clubs probably play a huge play a huge role in what they could be doing. Um, you know, they're these temples of history and icons of culture, and yet most of them probably do very very little towards the environment. Um, and sorry for those that do, but I'm not aware of any real leadership um, behaviour going on here. And um, again, that's you know the clubs all meet here regularly to talk about stuff like why don't they talk about the environment you know they talk about politics and they talk about blocking people coming to the island to do business and they they obviously talk about covid a lot during the last two years and i understand the ibiza clubs had more meetings together in the last two years than they've had in the last 10 years um but that was about saving their businesses not about saving the planet um so the island has has huge responsibility um to do the best it can to look at how people come here how they live here how they party here um and those clubs control a lot of power between them um so i think i think there's a a big opportunity for them to take a position here and should 
what would you like to see them do? What's what you know? How could they kind of create systemic change by having those conversations? What you know? Ultimately, the fact that the clubs are back open again, as you rightly pointed out, is you know more cheap flights, more cheap hotel rooms, more damage, more carnage, and we haven't had that for two years. And the island was still thriving, so it's it, it you know thriving for perhaps the few. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, number one, they need to talk properly and meaningfully and mean that they want to do something together that's not necessarily for commercial gain. Um, but, you know, there are eco-island examples out there. There are islands in the world that take leadership positions on, 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 on this area. So, you know, I think learning a lot from those kind of places is good. You know, I believe Menorca is a really good example of an island that does a lot. Um, so, you know, we're... Ibiza is driven by tourism, so it's that's always going to be there. Um, I, listen, it just needs to take good advice and consultation from good people. I don't know all the answers. I'd love to spend more time here to do that. IMS would love to be part of that conversation. But it, you know, these things, you know, like like we took the idea to launch IMS. I took the idea to launch AFEM. Like it just takes one person to lead by example here. So seeing someone like Jan or Pasha just take that leadership approach is is all it takes and the rest can follow and do you know one person can do all the thinking for everybody that's kind of what generally needs to happen to make change um you know there are companies like Bye Bye Plastic who are trying to do more stuff with the island you know these are Earth Percent these are people who actually are very well funded organizations some of them Earth Percent is hugely well funded um who have the ability to educate and to inform and have resources to do that so you know, one of those organisations trying to get Ibiza in a room together, or the powers of B that you know, or with the government is 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 clearly what it needs, and the fact that it's not happening is pretty shocking. I'm Pete Tong, and I have been a DJ pretty much my whole life, and and every other kind of aspect of. My career is kind of linked to music, um, obviously radio, record label, agency, um, a lot, a lot, artist, producer. Um, and about 13 years ago, we started. Me, me, it wasn't just me; it was me and my and, and my partners um, started the International Music Summit in Ibiza, which was really a an effort to kind of get Ibiza taken a little bit more seriously, if in on a, on a kind of business level. I think everybody knew that Ibiza was an amazing place um, to go and have fun and had amazing clubs and it was a beautiful island. But I don't think we, we, we had a bit of a chip on our shoulder about what a, you know, what a major contribution um, Ibiza made artistically to the dance and electronic music community. So um, that, that, that was the, the inspiration at the beginning and it kind of expanded from there. And obviously, we've had a couple of years break um, due to the pandemic, but very excited to be back this week. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm just wondering if you have any kind of hopes for the IMS this time around. I've seen that you there's some really important key themes like diversity, sustainability, the environment. So I'm wondering if this particular IMS, you have any kind of high hopes for linked to almost the changing image of Ibiza. Well, first and foremost, I would I would backtrack a little bit and say that, um, you know, although the inspiration for the International Music Summit was to create an event in Ibiza that, that 
that kind of added some um, gravitas to the to the story as as far as the um, creative and, and business community went. Obviously, over the years, this it's become a summit, an electronic music summit of which there aren't that many in the world. And we obviously discuss issues that go way beyond the beta. Um, what we've tried to do as the um, as the event has matured is obviously start to use the IMS as a platform for these other issues. So, I mean, diversity was a was a massive one, um, and sustainability, climate change has has been another one. You know, in years previous to to our break for the pandemic. So. Um, Getting back to your point, um, there's, a, there's obviously there's, this after the break. There's there's a there's obviously a an economic need and desire to just get back to business. So that will always be that that I think that's that's obviously going to be um, a massive priority for a lot of people in the room. Just getting back networking again and getting their traditional businesses that allow them to even start to think about anything else um, back up and running. But I'd like to think that, you know, after the break that um, we can encourage even more of a reset when it comes to all those other issues you've, you've talked about. So I think, I mean, a bit, and then Ibiza specifically, I think there was always a side to Ibiza, actually, when you actually think back, way, way back, that there was um, the, the, you know, the first people I, I knew of my generation that went to Ibiza did go there to have a different lifestyle and to slow down a bit and to start to think a little bit more about um, how they lived their lives and what effect they were having on the planet. So I actually think the spirit of, you know, there is still that that spirit there on the on the island and I think it's it's strong and I think that um it goes way beyond the IMS you know I think there are there are a lot of initiatives on the island in terms of su su sustainability um I guess our job at the IMS or, or, or our ambition is just to use the platform where all the eyeballs are on us for a few days to to get that message out reiterate that message you know re re you know re-inspire people around around that subject I guess as as what as it pertains to kind of then, then all the visitors that come to the island um, and the way the clubs operate, um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, the IMS will always be a platform where um, we can investigate ways and means of, of of people doing what they have to do in a more sustainable way. If that makes sense, yeah, it does. And I think it's 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 such a kind of small place that then gathers millions of people over the summer so there's yeah. this influx of vast tourism that that essentially is quite damaging for the island and for the climate in general so if this can be seen as kind of an ecosystem that gets this climate um conversation and 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 ways of handling clubbing let's say sustainably then that could be a really good case study for the wider world and systemic change you know because it's such a, a small kind of ecosystem um but it's this idea of changing its image not just you know obviously that has to be grassroots up so like what the clubs and and what the different promoters in ibiza are doing but then also to get that message across to 
the punters it's 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 almost a platform that could be used for for really good mind mind shift change yeah i think the image of um i think we've already moved on a bit to be honest from the image of you know foreign raiders <laughs> coming you know with sex and drink and rock you know whatever and just like trashing the island and you know leaving their tin cans on the beach and then getting back on their planes and 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 kind of leave the island steaming behind them i think i don't think you know i think that kind of 80s almost 90s image of um the west end of san antonio i think we're, i think we're way past that already um so but it but it is there is um what's the word i'm looking for i mean is is you know just just the very nature of bringing you know hundreds of thousands of people maybe millions um to the island between in during a six months period and how you get them on off the island just just that fact alone obviously looms large in terms of the um sustainability argument i'd love to think of a a time in the future where everyone's getting on you know wind powered boats or electric powered sail sailboats from denia or something and coming across to the island rather than all all jetting in or um but we'll see. But I think this is this is the point. It's for it's for the creatives. It's for the musicians. It's for well, I'm alongside many other people. But to create that narrative, to change the future, to reimagine the future of, of the island, let's say. And I suppose the, I, I mean, from from my experience of Ibiza, I know like quite a lot of residents are hesitant about about this particular period because they've had this two two and a half years off. So and and the island has been so calm and so still and nature has really been blooming and so I guess this is the beginning of a turning point or a tipping point for Ibiza and let's hope that um yeah it's the beginning of a new new reimagined future let's say yeah, I mean it's great it's had a break like like so many other places in the world to to maybe um regrow recover re replenish um of course we don't all know how many people are going to come back you know there's i think a lot of assumptions have been adjusted just in the last couple of months partly due to the the sad situation in the ukraine but also um the effects of inflation yeah. and I, I, so i think the assumption that we were going to get anywhere close to 19 or or even above 19 um a lot of those projections certainly from what i'm seeing from airlines and hotels are being readjusted to no it's much more reasonable that we're going to be better than last year but we're not we're going to be short of the kind of traffic of 19 so um but i think i mean you know some of the other issues obviously you know not using plastic in clubs and all that stuff that that's been a conversation it's been, been going on for a long time and i believe there's there's most of the clubs if not all of the clubs uh, uh, play a part in that um i don't know where the island's at on sustainable power or the balearics in general of you know starting to build wind farms and and stuff like that but um yeah i'm sure that that I mean, i'm just talking about tackling the issue at the kind of highest level rather it would, than, uh, yeah it would be interesting to see how the the like once the income streams start to flow more um naturally into the island how that could be loopholed into as you say wind farms and, and more renewable sources of energy so that then it can become this self-contained 
musical. Yeah, I mean, I, I lived there. Um, I have to say that when I lived, um, well, I, I never lived there, but I, I spent a lot more time on the island um, in the 2000s when I was resident at Pasha. And it was certainly, I was certainly much more aware of sustainability as a conversation in Ibiza than actually in the UK or anywhere else I was going, to be honest. So I think, um, you know, there was there was many companies, I can think back to like 2003, 2004, that were installing solar panels and, 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 and looking at um, how they were getting their water and stuff like that and, their, and heating and, you know, um, I, I, you know, moving away from monoculture farming and stuff like that. So I think that, um, as I say, there's a lot of credit to, to the island beyond what the IMS might ever do or the music community. That the island itself um, is is that way inclined. Also, it's the climate of the island allows for really, really yeah, um, productive um, produce, like organic farming. You've got friends of yours, I think, also have farm lots of different farms dotted around the island, and then and you go to the local veg shop and nothing's in plastic. It's all like locally grown and locally produced. So that kind of food production side is already well on its way. Yeah, and I saw that um, last summer even more so. There's, you know, 10 more little restaurants and cafes that are trying to send that message and operate in that way, which is which is fantastic. So but I think one, one of the things we're going to try and do this week, to, you know, bringing Eno to the IMS, which is something we tried to do, obviously, a couple of years ago, um, is just get into the conversation with him about how... Um, the business of electronic music, the art, the artists community, the promoters, the managers, everybody could actually look at a more sustainable way of operating. Um, clearly very difficult for a lot of people to go as far as Brian has in, in kind of pretty much, I wouldn't say refusing because he does have to take the odd flight, but he, he, he obviously tries as much as possible never to get on a plane. So, which is, yeah, I, I think he's pretty actually challenging for DJs. So, put that rule in to say no no more flights i think he's going i think he's going somewhere in um close to africa or something all by train and finding really interesting routes which is so it's we need people at the forefront doing that Hi, my name's Danny Whittle. I'm one of the founding partners of International Music Summit. I, I think what, what became very, very clear early on and has done for the last two years is how important the club scene is. You know, you're talking Islanders probably running at 60% of what it should do. Now, you know, if you're talking of a multi-billion euro business uh, over the summer, then to lose that 40, 50% of that income is a huge amount. Music has a connective power and brings generations together, particularly in nightclubs. <laughs> Do you think that, you know, we're using music's full potential to initiate positive change? Yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, we do, listen, we do a party in Dork Villa. We're doing two this year. That's a 2,000-year-old World Heritage site, and that shows you the kind of respect that music is given on Ibiza. You know, I mean, that's like doing a gig in the pyramids, in a way, you know, I mean, OK, not quite that grand, but you're still talking of a 2000 year old World Heritage site that they allow us to do an electronic music rave in there, basically. So it does show that there's a huge amount of respect for the music scene in Ibiza. 
I think there could be a bit more world music in Ibiza. I would love to see, you know, more flamenco, more Brazilian music, more African music and stuff like that. But I think that's going to evolve. I really do think that Ibiza, you know, it's it's making its money from electronic music. But I do think at the same time it could be a little bit more sort of Giles Peterson world music style stuff where we had more events like that. But what, what, you know, positive change would you like to sort of see the music industry contribute in terms of, say, climate change or the ecology or the preservation of nature, for example? Yeah, I think, you know, we're doing that massively in IMS this year. You know, everything we're doing is plastic-free, recycled. Uh, if you've come over on a ferry instead of a plane, you can get a discount. You know, there's so many more elements that we've thrown and that we're trying to consider that. You know, we're, we're sort of posting about, you know, people not using private jets, which is very difficult when you're a hard-working sort of superstar DJ and you've got to be from here to there and this, that and the other. It, it is difficult for them to maintain their career without utilising a jet. But at the same time, they've got to somehow work out how to sort of aggregate their carbon footprint. You know, they've got to work that out themselves. And I suppose as an industry, we've got to help them to work that out. But uh, I think we're very conscious of it. I really do. And I think... You know, do, doing away with plastic straws in all the nightclubs, doing away with plastic this, doing, you know, trying to slowly chip away everything like we can, you know. And, you know, we at the moment we've got a charity going on where we, we send a team out to a beach and they pick up all the plastic, you know, and so on. So I think we're all very conscious of it, that's for sure. Mm. What do you think the kind of the biggest storyline of climate change is in Ibiza this year after having two years off and obviously nature's had time to sort of restore and reset? Clearly, that's going to be deeply impacted again this this summer. Yeah, well, I noticed in 2020, you know, when there was no tourists here at all, how much cleaner the sea was and, you know, how little litter there was around. But, I mean, the problem is it's so much deeper rooted than that. When you look at the plastics washing up on the beaches of Ibiza, they're not even from Ibiza, you know. It's, it's stuff that's washing in from wherever, you know, rivers that are flowing into the Mediterranean that are just absolutely chock, chock-a-block of plastic and so on maybe less educated countries or certainly the countries with uh, you know who are less concerned about it for whatever reason maybe because of lack of education or whatever but i think because of that we've got to we've got to really consider what we're doing all the time and yeah i, d- I did see a change during the pandemic but that was a forced change i think we've got to be active about that change i think we've got to live our lives but at the same time end up with the same results which is a cleaner better Ibiza you know but, you know, knowing what we know about the fact that Ibiza basically doesn't really have a good water system or any clean water to drink and, you know, that it actually doesn't do that well in terms of uh, processing the toxic waste, you know, surely once levels reach kind of crazy, crazy highs again this summer, quite literally, um, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to acknowledge the fact that ultimately if Ibiza doesn't really have the systems in, in place to cope with the influx of tourism that it welcomes each season to keep the wheels of steel turning in the economic system. How, you know, what? how can the music industry maybe put back or how, you know, what work needs to be done to eradicate, you know, these, these systemic changes that need to happen? I, I think the music industry, can, like any other industry, can only try and help the most they can. You know, but at the end of the day, the problem is that you get somewhere like Ibiza, normally there's 120,000 people living here for seven months of the year. And then for five months of the year, it goes crazy. And it's like, you know, for politicians, it's like, do we spend half a billion on 
something that's only useful for five months of the year and then is redundant for seven. It's a bit like living somewhere where you only have snow once a year, but you spend a million on, on snow trucks. You know, it's hard to get that past the general public. So I think that we have to help in a way to reinforce the concept that regardless of that, we need to take the big steps that we need to take so that we are fully prepared to deal with things like waste and water and all the rest of it. It, You can understand why some politicians are loath to try and sell to the locals a big, expensive project, right, when it's only really of any use three months of the year, you know. But at the same time, we still have to do it. We have to do it. So I think it's a case of not just the music industry, I think all the industries coming together to see how we can try and facilitate that i think ultimately you know that support system for the local people as you've said are the ones that are picking up the tax bill whatever but they are supported by the economy of tourism so it is a double-edged sword and it you know of course it you could say that it's only for those short chunks of the the time but the the system just doesn't cope and then we all have to tolerate the you know the kind of mess that's that's like yeah. pumped into the sea and it it is a bit gruesome so i would you know that's personally something that i would like to to see fixed you know it's been going on for tourism started in the in the 70s so that's 50 years that they've had to kind of figure that out and yeah. abitha's made a few a few pennies out of tourists in that that's time sure. yeah that no that's for sure and I, you know again i think there's other ways of looking at it as well where, you know, there's probably ways of doing it that actually can can generate money. You know, the the things that you know, I know that there's systems now where you can you can burn waste and create electricity and so on and so forth where they carbonise the, the rubbish and they reckon they could even empty landfills and utilise that. A friend of mine's got this whole new system now. I mean it's a it's a big thing. I mean it's a sort of two hundred million euro uh, plant to build but ultimately it takes all your rubbish and it, instead of burning it, it sort of cooks it and then the gases that are given off, they they use to uh, to create electricity and it's pretty much sort of pollution free. So there are new ideas and new technologies coming forward to help to deal with things for sure. And there's no doubt, listen, undoubtedly at some point we do have to address them things. Mm. It's an interesting one. I think, you know, there is, there's definitely a, a climate opportunity rather than a climate crisis, which is, you know, what we're kind of fed in all the media channels. And I think this doom and gloom outlook is not, is not helpful for anyone to make change. People make change when they're feeling positive and that their change is actually going to be worthwhile and actually make a difference. And yeah. I think that's kind of where the problem seems to be. I think what have you noticed in terms of... Um, you know, the way Ibiza is now compared to what it was maybe when you arrived sort of 20, 30 years ago? Well, I, you know, I think it's it's better than it was, a lot better. I think infrastructure-wise, you know, I think the new roads and so on have actually saved a lot. I mean, I remember when they were building the new highways to San Antonio and the airport and so on, so many people were like, no, autopistas and, and all the rest. And in actual fact, I think it's saved a lot with regards to the environment because you don't spend time stuck in traffic jams like you used to do before. You can get to the airport in 10 minutes instead of half an hour. You can get to San Antonio in 10 minutes instead of half an hour. You know, they laid sort of silent running tarmac so it doesn't disturb the neighbours. They built tunnels under San Rafael and San Jordi and so on that, you know, has really helped them little villages to recuperate themselves. So I think there's, I think there's been some amazing changes, to be honest, in the infrastructure of Ibiza. You know, you can get around. And one of the big problems 
before was it was so difficult to get around or it would take you so long to get around that you would do more damage than you do now just getting somewhere in 10 minutes rather than half an hour you know so it's it's definitely a big improvement on that area I think, you know, if there was a kind of an idyllic picture of you could imagine of Ibiza maybe five, ten years from now, that would obviously be the perfect scenario. You know, what would that look like in your mind? Well, I've always been a massive fan of a monorail from the airport down the middle of the highway because it's dual carriageway and you've got a big central structure in the middle. It, you don't need to reclaim more land. So if you look at the one in Miami, for example, you know, you just build a post every sort of 100 metres, you have a monorail, ideally electrical-powered, ideally from a, a plant that is either driven by the rubbish burn, being burnt or solar panels, not much good with wind, not much good with tides, since there's no tides in the med and there's not much wind here, really. Uh, you know, but if you go down the road a solar array and that powered the monorail and you could go from the airport to a bit of town to San Antonio to Santa Lalia, I think that would really help, you know, and be a very clean way of moving around thousands of people sort of en masse and, and powered ideally by renewables I think that would be a really good start and, and I think you know again and speaking to a, a company like Tesla where they may be interested in converting a beta or f starting maybe with Formentera into an entirely electrical based island you know imagine Formentera if the only cars you could hire there were electric cars and, you know, there's electrical charging points and they were powered by a huge solar array because we get so much sun every year, you know. So I think you could start going down that road uh, and you're dealing with relatively small islands. So I think for, a, you know, for a company like Tesla or any of the big electrical car companies to sort of own that island in a way in a, in, in a sort of sponsorship deal would be a great calling call for them. You know, where they can turn around and go, well, look, if you go to Formatera, all you can get is a Volkswagen electric Golf or whatever, you know. And they supply the cars and people rent them and they make the money that way. But the whole infrastructure is, is bedded in. So I think there's definitely good ways of, uh, uh, you know, exploiting the island in a brand way for the good brand to, like, benefit from that, you know. Interesting. I think Mr. Musk has probably run out of cash because you just bought Twitter for 44 billion. But uh, yeah, we'll see what he can do. 50 billion. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great idea and I think that you know one of the biggest sorry one of the biggest eco issues that Ibiza and Formentera faces is higher cars yeah, and totally. the lead the petrol yeah. the pollution yeah it's not good and I think you know one of the things that I've always asked myself since I've been living here is like why is there no public transport here no, totally no I know and uh, what's the great interview with Moscow who was saying you can power the entire of the United States with a small corner of Utah being solar panel, so, you know, and you're talking of a, a piece, you know, a piece of a state that is almost empty in comparison. So, you know, and you've seen them doing it in the in the deserts in Spain where they put solar arrays, and they're incredible. They they're huge, and they create huge amounts of electricity. So, I just think, listen, it's unavoidable. We have to go down that route at some point. We might as well start doing it now. You know. I mean, certainly. I mean, it's just the fossil fuel story, which is a mess, and particularly with uh, what's going on in the Ukraine and the yeah, sure. the price of fuel rising and fossil well, fuels. It's just all a disaster at the well, moment, and it's get, quite a depressing story. You get held ransom by people that you might not want to be held ransom by. You know, and I think everybody, that if you can generate your own electricity and your own power, again, that gives more freedom to countries to behave, you know, responsibly. Mm.
without being beholden to somebody that might not be as responsible. Mm. What's the message that you would like to disseminate, for example, to IMS comers and clubbers this summer to kind of treat the island maybe in keeping with how it's been for the last few years? You know, I'm, my biggest motto is leave something how you found it. You know, if you, you go onto a beach that's nice and clean, don't dare leave one cigarette butt. Don't leave anything. Don't don't leave a mark that you've been there. You know, and we know from doing the round the island walks and so on. You know that that's how everything should be treated. You can camp somewhere overnight. You can, you know, have a great time, but you don't leave a single clue that you've been there. That and that's what you should do with the beta. You come and you enjoy yourself. But you don't leave any mark on the island. You don't need to. You don't need any need to leave any litter or any disturbance whatsoever. Mm. I think that's perfect, actually. That's a, a good way to end. But thank you so much for your time, Danny. All right, cool. We say rebel. It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel. It's the reset rebel.